You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you this morning. I hope you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing into the end, the last section of this particular series, Walk This Way. We're going to be in Ephesians five fifteen through 21, if you would turn in your Bibles there. And uh, I want to just start off by asking a couple of questions to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I often think that it's because back in this time frame we're about to talk about that it was because I was young. Maybe because I was young, didn't have the responsibilities that I have now, didn't have the, uh, the career. I was more free in those young days uh, to not have to worry about so many things impinging upon our time and our timelines and our, our busyness of life. But it feels like as we not only grow older, but as things move forward in our culture, things just keep getting busier and busier and busier. I don't know if that's how you feel or not. But that's how it feels to me. I would say that it had a lot to do with when we were young, we didn't feel the pressure of that. But I also do think that uh, more and more often, things are just kind of bleeding over into different parts of our lives and taking away any free area we had, any kind of downtime that we had. I mean, most of you have a hard time probably sitting still for more than five or ten minutes without flipping through your phone, looking at something for news or tweets or updates on something on Facebook that's so important that you can't be present in the moment. Amen. Just a few of us have those kind of troubles. Uh, Or we pack our schedule so tightly that we don't have time to breathe at all. I mean, I'm practicing, trying to practice uh, the Sabbath on a regular basis with our family, and it's hard to protect a day for where not, it doesn't mean you don't do anything, it just means where you're trying to recharge around the Lord and lead your family to worship the Lord together, and I think that's difficult for us. Everything has bled over, our sports bleed into what's known in the past as our kind of holy days on Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, We have life and the, the people in your jobs don't tend to care anymore that you don't want emails at home on the weekend. Uh, I, I'm guilty of sending them out. I'm guilty of receiving them. We are busy, 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 busy. And I'm afraid that it has impacted not only our lives in the scheduling sense, but that it has affected our walk with the Lord insofar as we haven't left much room we filled so much of our lives up with stuff and things and events and, and necessary things that we haven't left a whole lot of room for making sure that we're walking in such a way that we are filled and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is to a great detriment of the church. We often wonder why the church internally, the people in the church don't look much different than the people not in churches, not gathered together as believers We often wonder why things happen and they're just displayed across the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week news cycle, and we see the fall of leaders in the church world and Christianity over and over and over again. We've seen it in our own community over and over and over again, and we often see that and we're not surprised anymore, and I wonder if part of that is because the folks who have fallen didn't leave any room, any time in order to spend their time with the Lord to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite old dead guys, as I refer to them, uh, used to say that the busier his day became on the schedule, the more time he had to start the day in prayer. 
On the busiest of days, he would spend multiple hours in prayer. This is not to be a beat down on you. It's hard to stay focused on our walk with the Lord. But I want to encourage you today that I think the Lord is going to clarify for us a few things. One, I think he's going to show us what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of ideas about that running around in churches and in churches, out of churches, various denominational viewpoints. We're not going to get into all those things, but I want to let the scriptures tell us what it does mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I want us to see what are the evidences that you are or are not being filled with the Holy Spirit. It should be helpful for us today. In fact, there's going to come a point in this time that we're gathered today that I'm going to ask you to do something where you are and to take a second and refocus a little bit of your energy and time, your space, as we gather together. So be ready for that in-house assignment in just a little bit. Look with me, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. We're going to go through verse 21. The Holy Spirit leads Paul in writing this to do this really great thing we've been seeing all throughout Ephesians where he says, don't do this, but do this. Or do this, don't do that. He does this compare and contrast kind of thing. It doesn't change here. It's the same. Look in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that we're going to, as we read this again in a moment, that all the things that are distracting you right now, that the Lord would remove that for this moment and we would simply steep in the word together. And that he would do miraculous things within us. So let me, let me pray and ask for that. And if you agree with my prayer, say amen with me at the end. Father, I need you to part the way in my mind, to clear out the space that I might hear your word. I'm sure I'm not alone. God, we stand before you, we sit, we gather before you together as broken people in need of your healing grace that is only found in your son Jesus. So I pray this morning that whatever hinders us from being filled with your Holy Spirit, that you would make it evident and we would discard it or reprioritize it, that we'd be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, that we would not quench your spirit, but we would walk in your grace and mercy, and we would revel in your presence this morning. Lord, do not leave us as we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 15 again, one more time. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. 
making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That verse in the middle, verse 18, I believe is central to much of what's being talked about all throughout this letter from Paul to the Ephesians. In fact, I think it's central to our lives. We often talk about Jesus. We talk about God most certainly. But as Francis Chan lamented in his book on the subject, the Holy Spirit seems to be in most of our lives the forgotten God. And we know that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Three persons and one God. I don't understand it fully, and we never will fully comprehend it. But the Holy Spirit is so important to our lives that even Jesus himself had to walk in the, being filled with the Holy Spirit on this earth. Before he began his ministry, he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a way that was made known to those around him. And he walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our place, living the life we could not live, dying the death that we deserve, rising in victory over that death that we cannot defeat. And if, it, if Jesus, the one through whom and for whom and by whom all things have been made, needed to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then, oh, brothers and sisters, must we ever endeavor to obey this command in Scripture that says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean, though? He says, do not get drunk with wine, in verse 18, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I believe that being filled with the Spirit Several pieces to this. The first one, it means being filled with joy and bravery. Joy and bravery. Inspired and motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I get that from several places in Scripture that we're going to look at in a moment. But how many of us say that we love Jesus, even sup at the communion table together, gather in our small groups, are always present on Sunday morning as we worship together, but by all accounts have no joy in Jesus, do not delight in God. I believe it is one of the great misses, I don't mean that as a female married to someone else, one of the great misses of our lives in evangelicalism, especially in the Western world, is that we have forgotten or maybe even never known that the Christian life is to be marked almost preeminently by love and joy together. One catechism says it well, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. For if we enjoy Him 
all of the things will fall into place. But how many of us, if we were to run into an old friend, or if we were to rub shoulders with people that have known us for quite some time, and we were to ask the question, hey, what would be a good definition of how you know that I have a relationship with God? I wonder how many would say that it's joy or bravery that would mark us as Christians. You see, relationship with God can be feigned before many people. It can be feigned by many means. But the absence of joy in Jesus tells a different story, brothers and sisters. And if your joy has grown cold, it is not because Jesus is no longer worth it. If your joy is not present, it's not present. It's not because he has left you if you are his. It's because we have grown cold. Look at the words here. Why would, why would Paul, why would the Holy Spirit lead Paul to write these words? Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. On the surface, you could easily say that he's saying don't live like the world. He's been saying that for a while now here in this passage, in this letter. And that is true, I believe. But why would he say don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? It must be that there are some similarities and that there are some obvious differences. It's a compare and contrast in some ways, if you, if you might. Let's try to unpack it just a little bit. I believe that when you see somebody who gets drunk, I was a fraternity guy, frat boy, if you will. I saw a lot of drunkenness in my college days. No admission of guilt in that statement, just saying I saw a lot of it. And I can tell you some things that often came out in drunkenness, things you all know about loss of inhibition so that people say and do things they would not normally do when they were not intoxicated, right? They would get up and confess or profess love for someone that they would not ever do if they had not had a couple of drinks. They would get up and tell you exactly what they think about you or politics or something else in the world that they would not do if they were not intoxicated. And they seem to not care and think that they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof when they're 5 foot 3 and can't run fast, right? There's some similarities here because in the Holy Spirit, although alcohol is a depressant and does damage to you, stopping you from thinking and being aware and being on your toes and being keenly aware of your surroundings... Unlike alcohol, the Holy Spirit does the exact opposite of that. It makes you circumspect. He, he brings clarity to your mind. But as you walk in the Holy Spirit, you too should be filled with bravery and happiness like you see a lot of drunks even having, right? A lot of happiness, but it's deeper, but it's deeper-rooted joy in Jesus. And that's kind of where the similarities end. But let me give you an example. You may think that's crazy that you would relate those two together, but no, it's not. Acts 2. You don't have to turn there, but make a note to go back and read Acts 2. You're familiar with it. It's when the disciples are in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing wind and falls on the disciples. They go out into the streets. They begin speaking of the excellencies of God and especially about Jesus. And all the people are amazed at them, and they begin to look at them and say, these men must be drunk. Remember? They saw their bravery. They saw their joy. 
As they reveled in the excellency of God in his presence in full, as they were filled with the Spirit, and they looked at them and thought they must be drunk. And they were quickly corrected. You see, when you were filled with the Spirit, you were not ten feet tall and bulletproof, but you have a Savior who's defeated the enemy and defeated death in your place, and no one can stop him. You fear him because he is awesome and mighty, but you fear no one else. You will do what is right and good, and you will speak the truth in love because he has changed you and he is filling you in his power. Why do you think Jesus told the disciples to stay put until the Holy Spirit came? Because it would make everything different. Who are these men, these uneducated men, speaking these truths with such passion and fervency? It's because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This verb, let me get in the Greek a little bit. Are you ready for that? Okay, ready? This verb here, I'm not going to make you learn any Greek, but this verb for be filled is a present passive imperative. And you're like, what does that matter? I'm going to explain what that matters. It's a present passive imperative. If you remember eighth grade English, maybe even earlier for some of you, I don't remember many things earlier than eighth grade when it comes to school. I don't know if I have enough room to keep it or if I just blocked it out. I don't know which. But a, an imperative, that, that, that present passive imperative, that imperative part means it's a command. This is not whether or not you want to do this. You can't just decide daily if this is what you should do. God is saying, do this. Be filled with the Spirit. And by the way, don't get drunk. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It's an imperative. It's for everyone, too. It's not just for the Christian elite. That means, yes, if you became a believer yesterday, we're in this service. He's commanding you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. The passive part, present passive imperative, the passive part is this. This is the really cool part. You can't make it happen all on your own. It happens to you. That means someone else acts upon you. God, the author of all things, who's created all things, who's powerful over all things, is the one who fills you with the Holy Spirit. And he commands you to be filled, but it's passive because God's the one that does the filling. The beauty of sanctification, that's that part where after you've been saved until he takes us home to glory, that beautiful part of the salvation that continues on is this work together with God. And I don't fully understand it. I don't know if we ever will. Just like the Trinity, we can't understand a lot of the stuff about God because he is beyond us. Thank you, Lord, for being bigger than us, right? But in this, we know that he works in us and through us, and we work together. So it's a command to us to be filled, but he's the one that does the filling. It's passive. This should lead us to an extremely humble estate. You can't make it happen. There's no magical incantation. You can't pray hard enough just to make it happen of your own volition. You can't read the Bible long enough. You can't come to church enough times. You can't get together with other people and talk about God enough for Him to fill you. And you also can't get into this crazy frenzy where you just usher in the Holy Spirit to make Him do whatever you want to do. That's not the way it works. He fills you. He's the one. 
It is a present passive imperative. Here's where it gets a little different in the Greek, not always the same in all languages, but in the Greek when it says present, it doesn't just mean in the now. It has this idea that it's in the now and it continues on. It's forever going, continual action. So when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's saying this, I'm commanding you to be filled and I'll be the one that fills you and to be filled today and tomorrow and in the morning and at noon and at night. Always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Always. And I understand why we are scared to talk about the Holy Spirit because we've seen so many people use Holy Spirit language and, and biblical passages to lead into things that don't seem to be very biblical at times. But I'm here to tell you, just because people do something wrong with something good doesn't mean that we should not be pursuing what the Bible says to do. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. The Christian life is not easy. We must strive for this continually, but it is worth it, I promise. I promise. And we cannot do it alone. This is corporate again. We need one another. Can I be pitiful for a second? One person said, sure, thank you, Dave. I'm going to take that that's for everybody. Last week was my birthday. Many of you wish me happy birthday. I'm very thankful. I really had one idea of one little thing that I wanted to personally do for my birthday, just, just for me, selfishly for me, and all the pieces, not many of them, that needed to come together to happen, to make it happen, just never came to fruition. Not because somebody messed it up, not because people just didn't do the thing that they should have done, none of that at all. I didn't tell anybody I wanted to do it. It just wasn't possible. I just knew it was impossible. The things that would have had to happen to make it happen, it just wasn't possible. It included having a friend. And that particular friend couldn't be present the way I wanted them to be present. And the crazy part is that I recognized the impact on my fun time, my enjoyment, my happiness, even my bravery. I was a little down because of not having that thing. Not having that friend, not having that time. And what God has brought to my attention is the necessity of the body of Christ being together and loving one another, not just in a fun birthday moment thing, but in life together because we don't even recognize how much it impacts us and we don't have one another to press one another into this being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need accountability. We need people to kick us in the pants when we are not walking right. To do so in love because they love us, because they yearn for us to become like Jesus. That they love us like God loves us. We need to pour into others in that way. And you may think, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Please come step on our toes. You may think, nobody's told me I can speak into their lives. Why don't you ask them to speak in your life first, and then let's see if they will speak into your life, and then you can speak into their life. We need one another, brothers and sisters. When we keep the walls up, it tends that we also keep out the Holy Spirit, not just the friendships. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means experiencing the fullness of joy in Jesus and walking bravely in His presence. Let us step out in bravery and joy and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, it's a long time, well, number one. 
Look at verses 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Look carefully. In other words, be circumspect. Be fully aware. Cognitively aware. Be intensely aware of the eternal realities of your every moment. And then, not as unwise but as wise. That's walking in the Holy Spirit. Making the best use of the time. And that word there actually means buying back the time. Redeeming the time. Every moment with spiritual wisdom and intentionality. So look at it that way again. Be circumspect in how you walk, not as unwise, away from the Holy Spirit, but as wise, filled with the Holy Spirit, buying back every moment of time because the days are evil. Are you walking in every moment keenly aware of your frailty and your need for the power of Jesus Christ in your life? How do you respond to the interruptions and the distractions that enter in? How do you respond to the people that bring the interruptions? God humbled me greatly even yesterday in my response to interruptions that turned out to be divine appointments that I failed in. How do you respond? When you are being filled with the Holy Spirit, God will fill you with his wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him and the gospel of Jesus. This is how he works. He will guide you into imitating him and loving others like Jesus has loved you. He even talks about it in something we've already studied, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind the understanding more and more of the gospel so that he impacts you in your mind and presses it into your heart and it will change you. The more you know about Christ, the more you, you steep in the gospel, the more he will work in you and shape you and change you into the person you're supposed to be looking more like Jesus. It's how he works. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means walking circumspectly, taking hold of every moment with an eternal awareness of our circumstances and leaning into Jesus. It's hard work. It's worth it. Can't do it alone. We need one another. I need you. Being filled with the Spirit also means seeking to understand the will of the Lord in every circumstance. Listen to what I said. Seeking to understand the will of the Lord in every circumstance. Hold on before you get an idea about that. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is not simply talking about you figuring out what God's will is for you at any particular moment about who you should marry or which road you should take at this particular juncture in your life. The commentator, 
Theologian Peter O'Brien puts it well. He says, in our contemporary context, the Lord's will is frequently understood by Christians to refer to matters of personal guidance and thus to, and thus to God's immediate plans for their future. But the divine will in the Pauline letters, particularly in Ephesians, has a different focus without neglecting the personal dimension. The will of God is closely related to, even identified with, God's gracious saving plan, and as a significant element of this, the formation of a people into the likeness of Christ who will be pure and blameless on the final day. Look at verse 17 again, let me reiterate. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me put it in my vernacular. Do not be foolish and get distracted, but understand the will of the Lord is to seek and to save the lost and to turn every one of us into the image of Christ. That's His will for us. What does God want from me today? He wants you to seek and save the lost and to become more like Jesus and revel in His glory. That's what He wants. And whatever decisions you decide on that lean you up into that direction, good. That's a good decision. Whatever would distract you away from that, bad decision, foolishness. Don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. You may think that sounds a little much. Let me just read Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Just let it pour over you. Listen to this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. You see that? Not the knowledge of what you're going to do tomorrow, and the knowledge of Him. He goes on. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. In other words, this knowledge about God's will is God's will for you to be brought into the kingdom of God and about your place in bringing others into the kingdom of God and about together how we become more like Christ as the kingdom makers and movers in His kingdom pointing to His glory. It's about Him. That's His will. It's about you and I getting brought into the family of God when we do not deserve it. It's about reveling in that truth and enjoying Him and understanding those things. But now we must ask the question, are you being filled with the Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? Let's look at some evidences. What are the evidences of walking in the Spirit? The remainder, verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, 
Look at verse 19 again. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms, the old good stuff. Hymns, the things that at that time were pretty new, but everybody was learning them together as new things were being written. And then spiritual songs, that's just the other stuff that just kind of comes out of you. Back in the early church, sometimes people would just be tasked with like singing to the Lord. Even if you're a clanging gong, sing to the Lord. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, I watch it in my house daily for my children. It always leads me to weep joy and lament my own fruitlessness in that area. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Being filled with the Spirit will be evidenced by your, this is my favorite phrase way to say it, being filled with the Spirit will be evidenced by your bleeding Jesus. Sounds kind of gross. Let me unpack it. Say it this way. If you're being so saturated and filled with the Holy Spirit that it will just fall out of you wherever you go. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. How weird would it be when you walked in the door and everybody just sang to you? Corbin walks in the door. I look at him and I go, Jesus paid it all, right? (laughs) Amen, brother? (laughs) He's not going to do it back right now. (laughs) I'm not going to do any more of it. (laughs) Wouldn't it be good? Man. Our hearts so filled that we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another? To one another. He's talking about one anothering here. To one another. When you're around your brothers and sisters, what comes out of you? Sports? Politics? Crudeness? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Paul says, if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be singing to one another about Jesus. The songs of joy that fill your heart will bubble out of you. You can't hold him in. He's too big. He's too great. Be filled with the Spirit. Maybe one of the reasons why that's not happening, we might be grieving the Holy Spirit. David was fearful of that in Psalm 51. Allow me to read verses 7 through 12 briefly. He says, after he sinned greatly with Bathsheba, he says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Listen, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David was afraid that God would take away his Holy Spirit. Maybe you fear that some sin you've been delving into has robbed you to the point where you believe God has walked away from you. And I'm telling you right now that if you're hearing this today, it is not too late for you to repent and believe in Jesus. You may say, I'm already a Christian. Yes, then let us repent and believe in Jesus. Repent from our sin and believe that Jesus is enough to overcome our sin. He's already done it. 
And if you're not, if you're not, maybe I wasn't a believer, then today, today's your day of salvation. Repent and believe in Jesus. For the first time, the real time, if it is. Repent and believe in Him. God didn't take away the Holy Spirit from David. He won't take away the Holy Spirit from you. You know why? Because Jesus is the greater David. And Jesus is the one who had the Holy Spirit upon him, and then he went to the cross. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence with you. And in our place, Jesus stood in that gap on the cross. And he looked at his father and said, Father, don't turn away from me. Don't forsake me. And what he means is don't turn away from me. Allow me in your presence. But he had to pour out the wrath on Jesus in our place so that he became not only our great Savior, he became our great substitute. And on the cross, He took our sins down to the end. And all the wrath that should be incurred upon us for all of eternity, He drank it all down. He exchanged our sin and gave us holiness, declared upon us because of His righteousness. He has overcome. He went without so that we never have to be without. You never have to worry about God removing the Holy Spirit from you. But do you bleed Jesus? Are you saturated with Jesus? Does He come out in your relationships? Verse 19, again, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will be evidenced by how you praise Jesus. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. One of my kids shall go nameless. She walks around humming and singing all the time. Sometimes to the point where it could be, could be, I'm her dad, I can't say it would ever be, but it could be annoying to some. She doesn't even know she's doing it half the time. And when you're able to audibly hear, often she's praising Jesus. Why not my heart? I don't have faith like a child. Oh, but we would regress into that state where God favors the children that we might experience that joy and sing back His praise in all the moments. This is why evangelism is not a task to be learned. You don't have to learn how to answer everybody's questions. We simply need to love Jesus because he first loved us. It will change you and others. Is there evidence of you being filled with the Spirit because you're praising him? Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being filled with the Spirit will be evident by your giving thanks to God in all circumstances in the name of Jesus. This doesn't mean that we thank God for bad things. Hear me right. There are people that think that's what this means. That's not what that means. God, you don't have to thank God for your cancer. You don't have to, don't have to thank God for death. You don't have to thank God for heartache and suffering. You don't have to thank God for disaster. No, no, no. It's not what it's saying here. Look at it more carefully. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of our sorrow and suffering, we can thank God for Him giving us Jesus. We can thank God for what we went through pointing us back to Jesus. We can thank God because no matter what comes at us, it's already been overcome in the eternal perspective in Jesus. We can thank God for that. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. All things, even the horrible things. And we can thank God for that. How would it change your life if you made it a regular practice to daily thank Him no matter your circumstances because of what He's done for you in Jesus, because of what you know He's going to do for you in Jesus? In fact, let's take a moment right now and give thanks to God for His gift to you in Jesus. I'm going to do something they say not to do when you speak in front of people. I'm going to give a moment of silence here for you to take a moment with you and the Lord. You can speak it in your, under your breath. You can speak it silently in your mind. You can speak it out loud if you want. I just want you to take a moment right now. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds and give thanks to God for his gift to you in Jesus. Give thanks to God for his gift to you in Jesus in whatever circumstance. Go. Daily thanking God will change your life. Best begin that way. Makes the day go by better. No matter the circumstance. And lastly, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is an evidence. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will be evidenced by your humility in your relationships, i.e. submitting to one another out of your fear of Christ. That word there is the Greek word phobos, where we get the word phobia. It means fear directly. It's been translated many different ways, I believe, and many other commentators believe that the most accurate way to translate it in the context is the word fear, not just reverence, but fear. So when we see it, submitting to one another out of fear of Christ. Christ. You can tell a great deal about our walk with God by how we treat one another. You can tell a great deal about your walk with God about how you treat your spouse, how you speak to your spouse, how you respond to your spouse. Do you chastise? Do you yell at? Do you forgive quickly? Do you love generously? Are you gentle? Oh, but I have much room to grow. You can tell a great deal by how much and how well you treat your children, your friends, your enemies. For Jesus treated us, his enemies, as his beloved brothers and sisters that he died for on the cross. Do you submit to the authority God has placed in your life? Do you submit to the leadership in your life that God has placed there at work, 
at home, in the church? Do you submit to other Christians becoming accountable to them out of your fear of Christ? That you want to make sure that you honor Him and love Him because He first loved you. And you don't want to step outside of that relationship. You're afraid it may not be real and you might be looped into those in Matthew 7, 21, 22, 23 that say, depart from me, I never knew you. Those who called Him Lord, Lord. Are you out of that fear submitting to others because you want to know that you love the way God has loved you? It says they will know us by the way we love one another. Do you view yourself, do you view yourself above others, maybe better than others? We say no to that, but then think of those to whom you have some grudge or bitterness toward and then think about why that's there. And almost always it's because they did something you think they shouldn't have and you would not have. Instead of remembering that, oh, but by the grace of God, and oh, thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness you offer me. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will walk in humility and in the fear of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, church, for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. See how Jesus submitted himself to the Father and to us? Washed the disciples' feet. Scourged, beaten murdered on a cross in our place, taking others' sin upon his own shoulders. Man, if we were like that with one another, we would love well. Evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let us be filled with the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. Let us turn to him right now, lean into him today and every day, for this is the way of Jesus. This is what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. I'll be praying for you this week. I'm going to pray for us right now. And if you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be down here until the last one of you have left today. Remembering this, we're going to have a brief meeting after our worship time. So stay here. We're going to talk about some things business-wise with the church body. In the meantime, let me pray for us all. Father, we need your grace and mercy and kindness, and we need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there is sin in our lives that is stopping that from happening, would you make us aware to that, that we might rip it away? If there are things out of priority order that need to be rearranged, would you convict our hearts? Would you empower us? Would you give us the ability to share it with someone else to become accountable? Lord, if we are just walking coldly because we are not coming to you face-to-face regularly, daily, Lord, would you draw our hearts to you? We need you, and we want to be filled by your Holy Spirit. We want to walk in your ways. Lord, help us, help us, help us. We ask it all in the precious, beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.